You are listening to the Catholic Thinkers Podcast, a free treasury of instruction in the Catholic intellectual tradition. If you enjoy this lecture, please visit us at catholicthinkers.org forward slash donate. Father James Scholl, and I'd like to um, continue now to the last chapter, chapter 12, on the, at the limits of political philosophy, where we consider the title is called Friendship and political philosophy. I begin with a quotation from Samuel Johnson again, from April the 15th, 1778, the conversation with a Quaker lady, a friend of Johnson's, whose name is Mrs. Knowles. Mrs. Knowles, I can't, I cannot agree with him, that is a man by the name of Soam Jennings, that friendship is not a Christian virtue. Johnson, why, madam, strictly speaking, he is right. All friendship is preferring uh, the interest of a friend to the neglect or perhaps against the interest of others. So that an old Greek said, he that has friends has no friend. Now, Christianity recommends a universal benevolence to consider all men as our brothers, which is contrary to the virtue of friendship as described by the ancient philosophers. Surely, madam, uh, you, your sect, namely she's a Quaker, must uh, approve of this, uh, all, or you call all men friends. Mrs. Knowles, we are commanded to do good to all men, but especially to those who are of uh, the household of faith. Johnson, well, madam, the household of faith is wide enough, Mrs. Knowles, but doctor, your savior had 12 apostles, and yet there was one of them whom he loved. John was called the disciple whom Jesus loved. Johnson, with eyes sparkling benignantly. Very well indeed, madam. You have said very well. Boswell, a fine uh, application. Pray, sir, had you ever thought of it? Johnson, I had not, sir. The end of the quotation. The first subheading that we will discuss is called Friendship in human discourse. I will do this um, in two parts. Nothing is more surprising in the ethics of Aristotle than the two books, book eight and nine, uh, uh, that the philosopher devoted to friendship. Though we can speak of a virtue of friendship, friendship is not, strictly speaking, a specific virtue. Rather, it uh, presupposes the discourse on the virtues that we have examined. Likewise, the discussion of friendship has to do with Aquinas' deliberation on law, which he surprisingly says is the end or purpose of law, that is, friendship. Friendship is the condition of, of the flourishing of the virtues. 
the relation in which they are most real. Friendship can be uh, based on different kinds of communication, that is, on utility, on pleasure, and on knowledge. Friendship must always consider the relationship of the friends to each other. They might simply be good men or women, or husband and wife, brothers, sisters, companions, fellow citizens, or perhaps even strangers. Both the number of uh, the relationships and the basis of the communication between friends enter into uh, the worth and, and value of friendship. Friendships must not be, or must be free and chosen, even when they arise in such relationships as that of brothers and sisters. At some level, friends must live in the same world, with the same or at least incompatible understandings of truth and goodness. We can paradoxically spend uh, speak of friendship among thieves, though this friendship would be utilitarian and disordered. <clears throat> Plato remarked that we cannot do the maximum amount of injustice without some kind of agreed-upon understanding of the justice existing among thieves or other sorts of unjust men. Scoundrels Found, uh, bound together in a kind of friendship are generally more dangerous than the solitary evil man. The pseudo-justice existing among thieves uh, could well uh, indicate a kind of friendship, however perverted in its ends. Like any of our uh, activities or capacities, which can be corrupted by the ends chosen by their uh, possessor. Friendship can be deflected uh, from its highest purposes if used to uh, devious ends. Friendship, like justice, takes its highest meaning from right order in human relationships and from right understanding of man's place in the world. Friendship takes its dignity from, tr from the truth and the good existing in reality and subsequently known and chosen by the friends as their own highest purpose. Friendship can exist only if something higher than friendship exists, something for which the friends themselves are seeking as the purpose of each life. Such was the lesson of Plato's Symposium. At this point, the discussions of happiness and friendship meet. No one would call anyone happy, Aristotle thought, who possessed everything in the world but lacked friends. On reflection, this remark is one of the most profoundly true, true remarks in all of classical thought one that still serves to ground the final meaning of political philosophy. 
nothing can substitute for the reality of friends. Since friendship is the most profound point to which classical political philosophy brings us, it can serve also as the final uh, consideration of these questions and answers that fall within the surprising incompleteness of political philosophy, especially when this philosophy is doing what it should do, what it should be doing, that is, considering the implications of its experience. We deal here, still again, with brilliant errors, but somehow this question of friendship intimates for political philosophy rather some uh, few brilliant errors uh, that are directly pertinent to the perplexing and insufficiently comprehended questions of political philosophy, even in this book, uh, and even in its best. Aristotle recognized that a complete account of our moral activities included not only a description of the vices opposed to the virtues, but the kinds of friendship that were uh, based on deviant purpose as well. Oligarchs who chose wealth as their specific end, as the specific end of their uh, proper activities and lives could be friends uh, in a pleasurable or utilitarian mode because of shared ends. The worthiness of a friendship depended upon the nature and dignity of the relationship it uh, created and of the end on which it was based. Friendship as a moral exchange itself depended on that distinction of the reality of good and evil and of truth and falsity. Friendship rests on an acknowledgement of what is. Friendship in political philosophy. The discussion of friendship leads directly from political philosophy to further questions that remain perplexing even to philosophy. No topic except perhaps death uh, was uh, capable of raising more uh, enigmatic questions than friendship. A central task of political philosophy, as I have suggested often, in, uh, is uh, to spell out the uh, paradoxical nature of those questions uh, of how they lead to issues of the highest order in questions that are all subject matter, uh, are all subject matter of the communications among good friends. Uh, good friends, where alone uh, some topics can be thoroughly uh, discussed among good friends. Of all the topics of philosophy, friendship was among the most profound and fascinating, even the most urgent. The treatise on friendship, however, uh, seldom treated in a uh, thorough, thorough manner, is a fundamental one in political philosophy. Likewise, it is fundamental in understanding that 
uh, incompleteness of political philosophy that requires us to listen to and to search for other answers uh, for our questions because the treatise on friendship clarifies what is at stake. Friendship arises directly uh, from the conditions of human living together. No human life will avoid, nor should it avoid, the deepest perplexities um, uh, caused by the realities of friendship. But questions that friendship implies require consideration that do not seem capable of being solved by political things, political living, or by philosophy alone. Again, even in Revelation, we are left in hope and not vision. Friendship, both as a reality and as a topic of reflection, uh, seems to have the uh, philosopher in a condition of anxious uh, uh, waiting, of uh, anticipating answers to questions he suspects are impossible to uh, to realize. Yet, if he uh, be honest, the philosopher remains unsatisfied when that this seeming impossibility is necessarily the case. Like virtue, which uh, appeared uh, incomplete precisely when it seemed most completely elaborated, the examination of friendship yields perplexities that uh, seem odd, that seem in uh, to involve considerations that flow beyond the boundaries of the initial subject uh, subject itself and yet are rooted in fundamental issues and questions that do arise in ethical and political and intellectual life. Book 10 of Aristotle's Ethics, he uh, advises uh, us not to listen to those who told us to limit ourselves to merely human considerations. Similarly, E.F. Schumacher uh, wrote in discussing the limits of modern science, quote, at the level of man, there is no discernible limit or ceiling. Self-awareness, which constitutes the different uh, difference between animal and man, is a power of unlimited potential, a power which not only makes man human, but gives him the possibility, even the need, to become superhuman. As the scholastic used to say, homo non est propriae humanus, said superhumanus est, which means that to be properly human, you must go beyond the merely human. You know the quote, this sense of openness to something higher than man was not a sort of Nietzschean appeal to Superman, nor was it a doubt about the metaphysical goodness of man himself. It was a recognition 
that man's natural being yearned for something that nature itself could not fulfill. The life of actual virtue does not appear sufficient in itself, and yet the activities of the virtues are fulfilling and when and seem to uh, accord with the purposes of differing capacities that we have been given in our nature and our natural being. Without denying the good or the uh, strength of reason, we do seem to need uh, more than uh, ourselves even to be naturally virtuous. And yet, such as Aristotle's way of uh, emphasizing the point, no, uh, no one would choose to live all of the uh, virtues uh, and with all of the uh, wealth in the world, but not having friends. The practical or moral virtues are valuable and valid in themselves, and yet they, lend, they lead beyond themselves particularly when they are best, do the virtues uh, hint at their own openness to something more than themselves. The brave man is most brave when he dies. The good man seems most incomplete when he is good, as if to say that goodness uh, pretends a good in itself, a source of the real good that we uh, discover through virtuous activities. The next section is called Unique Limitations of Friendship. The virtues are designed to enable uh, thought and love to take place. Even if we are lovable or good, we still may not be loved. The situation implies a kind of ultimate loneliness. Thought, the pursuit of the knowledge of the whole and the place of particular things within the whole, in its turn, leads to wonder about the whole and its uh, origins. Love, for its part, leads us to the understanding of the objects we love. What are they? Uh, what is their permanence? What is their reality? As love of its essence demands a free reciprocity, we can only love other persons capable of responding to us. Something that seems passing and destined to, for death, namely our uh, particular life, uh, takes on a kind of permanence uh, when seen in the light of friendship. The virtues also seem to lead to consider considerations of friendship as the highest form of human living. The virtues call forth a kind of inner composure or, or rule. But in almost every case, 
the practice of the virtues requires others for whom these activities are likewise good and formative. However, neither justice, nor uh, courage, nor temperance, nor liberality require friends to be uh, practiced. We must often be brave, or temperate, or good, or just, uh, or liberal, uh, in the to those uh, we do not know or do not even like. There can be a kind of stoic uh, grimness to virtue, uh, without the or uh, the attractive um, friendship. The possession of good habits, however, makes us good and uh, therefore lovable to others. Friendship is always possible, even though we sh uh, should not forget that we can refuse to love the good somehow. This possibility reminds us that friendship will be uh, free even in, uh, even in the good. Even uh, without the prospect of friends, moreover, we ought to acquire virtue uh, to rule ourselves and thereby to become capable of being properly uh, with others. But if we limit ourselves to these formal relationships demanded by uh, the virtues, uh, we lack something that seems proper to human well-being and completion. Uh, the activities of the virtues, however, however formal in themselves, are best uh, elicited in friendship. Aristotle devoted much time to the fact that we also need friends, even for practical or pleasurable purposes. The friendship is always a free choice, not a need, not a necessity. Friendship cannot be coerced. No one can uh, demand it. It is not the. Uh, it is not uh, determined even by uh, its highest uh, reaches, uh, unless we are willing to love uh, what is good. Nevertheless, friendship seems uh, dependent on strict limitation. Aristotle did not think that we could have. Uh, more than a few good friends, perhaps not more than one or two in the course of our lives. At the head of uh, this chapter, Samuel Johnson cited the ancient Greek saying, he who has friends uh, has no friend. There, Aristotle was not being merely uh, a uh, realist or a pessimist uh, in his belief that we could only have a few good friends in life. On the basis of observed fact, he saw that we could not be friends with everybody in any deep sense. If we uh, tried to do so, we would end up, as Johnson said, with no friends. Ironically, 
The very claim to be friends with everyone indicated that no real friendship existed. The proposition that everyone should have some good friends did not mean that we would ourselves have many friends or be friends with many people. Rather, it meant that a healthy society or human uh, condition manifested itself when many individuals within it had one or two uh, or a few good friends. The level of communion of friendship was not to be lowered on the uh, uh, so that everyone could have the same friends, but on the uh, superficial uh, basis of communication. The existence of friendship of the very uh, nature, of its very nature, demanded a certain strict exclusivity. Modern theories of civil communication and brotherhood often make the mistake of implying that by following their uh, programs, everyone could be friends or comrades. In particular, they lower our sights so that we uh, base our relationships with others on the lower, not the highest possible basis. Brotherhood or fraternity can become anti-philosophical in the name of political philosophy when it uh, promises a friendship it cannot uh, guarantee. In Aristotle's analysis of tyranny, uh, both philosophy and friendship uh, come to be seen as inimical to the state. However, in Aristotle's analysis, communication of friends should be possible. At least some persons should be friends at the highest level. The well-being of mankind required at least some true friendships existing within society, some relationships that were um, devoted to the highest things. The notion that a few uh, good or holy uh, persons could save society was not totally ill-founded. The reason for this limitation in the number of friends is important to understand. The limitation implied that most men, even of their of the same polity, would remain fundamentally unknown to each other at the deepest level. <clears throat> Could we be content with uh, this truth of few friends in theory? Does not this violate the scriptural uh, admonition uh, to love one another? Ought we not uh, seek to overcome this limitation uh, to uh, found a polity in which everyone would be friends in the deepest sense? For Aristotle, all tyrants uh, consider friendships of good men to be dangerous to their deviant rule, which rule is defined by the tyrant's freedom uh, to direct all things to himself.
but in a case of tyrants to themselves. Uh, it was in the interest of the uh, tyrannical state to prevent friendships of the highest order. Friendships implied a level of uh, commitment uh, to real persons and a devotion to truth that the tyrant could not uh, control or even fathom. The tyrant's own evil activities would not be seen with uh, uh, approval by good friends uh, who could, uh, because of their friendship, generate the confidence to overthrow him. All men, in the tyrant's view, uh, should be merely friendly, but essentially superficial. All of their activities should be public. No excellence, no depth of human spirit could be allowed in such a polity. In a democracy, as Aristotle, in Aristotle's view, the same sort of a thing happens in a different way. For in a democracy, which had no uh, uh, settled concept of truth, there was no subject of uh, communication between friends. The fool and the philosopher spoke the same uh, effective nonsense. Vague general comradeship was to be a safer political environment for the tyrant than one in which there were many true friendships. And yet, this comradeship was an uh, uh, aberration of the most fundamental uh, sort. The tyrant, as a kind of a perverted philosopher, king, had to corrupt the uh, most exalted of human relationships in order to secure his own safety and to prevent his rule from being uh, questioned by those uh, devoted to something other than uh, his own uh, success or interest. Friendship and justice. What was the nature of a regime in which true friendships were uh, encouraged? Aristotle was quite sure that civil societies depended for their peace more on friendship than on justice. This uh, realization implied that there was uh, some natural problem with justice, which, however necessary, uh, even for friendship, suggested that the relations of justice were important impersonal. Justice looks not to the uh, particular person and his uniqueness towards whom one is to be just. Rather, justice looks to the relationship itself and to one's own part in it, uh, to what is due. Justice has a potentially alienating uh, feature that contains a certain coldness and impersonality. Justice is a harsh virtue, blind to the uh, persons involved in its exchange. 
justice is ruthless in its uh, symbolism, which is indicated by the blind maiden with the sword and the scales in her left in her hands. The maiden is blind to the individual uh, uh, peculiarities of the person involved in the controversy of justice. To be just to one another, we do not need to know each other. Indeed, it may be a, uh, a detriment to know one another because it could corrupt what the objective judgment demands. Contemporary juries are not uh, composed of those who know either the defendant, the prosecution, or, uh, of the, or the case. Justice is the virtue that allows us to exchange um, uh, and deal with persons whom we do not know and whom we have no necessarily uh, desire or need to know except on the basis of some uh, <clears throat> transient exchange or disorder that needs to be rectified. The nature of justice at its best, then, would hint that something beyond it is needed for human completion. The highest things on this basis are not conceived in justice, or at least not in justice alone. Aquinas even argued that the universe itself was established uh, in mercy and not in justice. Since the existence of the universe, creation was not owed uh, or due to anyone. Something uh, more than justice seemed to uh, regulate its ultimate order. And this view of St. Thomas uh, is one of the deepest insights in all of political philosophy to consider. Friendship requires a certain sort of justice. We cannot cheat our friends for long and expect them to remain friends. Justice and friendship, however, are not intrinsically opposed uh, to in each of the kinds of uh, justice relationship that we can have those based on utility, those on uh, pleasure, and those on, on wisdom, there can and there is a corresponding kind of friendship. All three kinds of friendship can exist toward the one person. The relationship of justice to uh, is softened and deepened by friendship, even when the primary exchange remains that of justice. Friendship based on utility uh, lightens and uh, humanizes uh, what goes on between persons. With the addition of uh, utilitarian friendship to the uh, purchase of a uh, purchase in a store based on justice, the attractiveness and hardness of the exchange need not become the sole basis of the communication. Utilitarian friendships 
are capable of uh, understanding uh, particular circumstances that might uh, mitigate justice. <laughs> Utilitarian friendships include or indicate how strict justice can be uh, inadequate. Commerce, at its best, even though it usually needs uh, detailed contracts or uh, potential civil uh, enforcement of the breaches, is based not merely on the exchange of uh, a just and fair uh, price, but on a kind of friendship that uh, would uh, unite seller and buyer and worker and uh, owner in a bond that is not simply one of justice. The notion of a friendly shopkeeper or a store is not altogether cynical uh, or impossible. Indeed, some kind of friendship is what ought to happen. Commerce, manufacture, and work are based on justice, but strive or something more than just justice, even to achieve justice. All justice seeks equity or mercy, seeks the mitigation and understanding of friendship. Aristotle, in his discussion of justice in Book 5 of the Ethics, treated equity as an aspect of the insufficiency of pure justice. In a perfectly just world, we would be uh, uh, intrinsically lonely. We would deal only with relationships and not persons. Friendship exists that we might not ultimately be lonely. Exchanges based solely on pleasure are themselves uh, disordered only insofar as they uh, separate the action in which the pleasure exists uh, from the pleasure itself. This separation uh, serves to divorce the pleasure from its proper origin in an action uh, towards another person or thing. Friendships of pleasure, like those of utility, recognize not just the pleasure, but the uh, source of the pleasure. This source is the whole being of, the, of its origin. As something given and something received, pleasure originates, and originates in a particular human being. This awareness in friendship of pleasure suggests that pleasure is not simply itself, but the activity of, particular, of a particular being. Pleasure, paradoxically, is, or at least can be, the beginning of uh, that deepening spiritual process that seeks to look not just to the pleasure, but to the source of that pleasure. Through pleasure, we can... Uh, come to look at the activity and its object in a uh, in a person uh, experiencing the pleasure.
pleasure can be placed in its proper context because of the awareness of the source of the pleasure uh, in the being who grounds its reality, the being who is there. Both friendship and utility and friendship of pleasure are capable of leading to friendships of the highest sort, though normally they do not and need not. In themselves, they indicate the normal relations we have here, we have to a good number of people who are related to us, uh, not merely by uh, the more harsh relationships of justice. Friendships of the highest sort will uh, include aspects of utility and pleasure as part of the wholeness of the person involved in them. A world full of friendships of utility and pleasure is not a disordered world, but a world that recognizes the kinds of relationships we can and ought to have with many people whom we cannot know well enough to be friends in the deepest sense. In principle, nothing is wrong with the exchange of uh, usefulness or pleasure in their proper context. Most of our actual relationships with others will be of this sort. If we attend to the good, uh, we uh, attend to the pleasures that are good pleasures. Pleasure of itself is not a disorder, though it can occasion disorder, as Aristotle recognized. If our relationships are modified or deepened by a kind of friendship, this makes the whole society, including ourselves, better. This result was why Aristotle argued that cities are safest and most uh, bound together because of their friendship, even utilitarian and political ones. Justice, however, necessary, was not adequate. So this is the end of part one of the chapter of the chapter twelve. We hope you enjoyed listening to Catholic Thinkers. Please visit us at catholicthinkers.org forward slash donate to help us keep this content free.